0: Great to have you here. Um, you yeah, actually look awake. Do you enjoy the extra hour of sleep I gave you last night? OK, I'm going to want it back in the spring. Glad you're here. Um, we're continuing on this series called "The uh, Available: well, My Life in God's Hands." And I'd like if you have your Bibles to open up to Exodus, the second book of the Bible, book of, book of Exodus, chapter 36. And as you turn there, I just want to remind all of us, um, everything we have is God's. Did you know that? I was reading today uh, in Psalm 145. It says, "You you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Your next breath is a gift from God. And so as we recognize this, we realize all the things that God has given us, and we don't just sit there and take. We, we aren't takers. Our picture is to be a good receiver, a thankful receiver, and then one who reflects God's generosity with our lives. And so we're going to be taking a look in Israel's history at a key moment of generosity in them. We're going to step back from that and really look, what was God doing there? What were they experiencing And how might we reflect generosity in all of life? Because it's not a picture of God wanting your money. It's not a picture of the church wanting your money. It's a picture of God wanting all of you. And what I've realized is that fellowship is a place where I can give all of myself, not just money, but my whole life, my whole area of giftedness or of abilities of insight and wisdom. We want this to be a place where everyone is a minister and everywhere we're at is a ministry opportunity. So looking at this in Exodus chapter 36, um, this whole book of Exodus is a fascinating book. It details the exit out of is out of Egypt. By the Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt, and uh, they worked for Egyptian families and the Egyptian government. And they were exploited, they were persecuted, they suffered under Egypt's uh, harsh, harsh slave drivers. And so, when they were when they were uh, delivered out of Egypt. Uh, on that night, it was called Passover, and they actually put blood of a spotless lamb over their doorposts, and the angel of death went over, passed over their homes, and they were saved. On that very night, they were, they were set free. God set them free from the Egyptians. And it says in Exodus chapter 12, on that night, that the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. These were their former slave drivers who now he gave favor to them so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. So this wasn't give me all that you have or we're going to beat you up. This was here, take this, get out. It was like, hey, that gold goblet, yes, yes, take it, that That purple robe, take it, get out. You know, it was this picture of take this, go, you can have everything we have. So you get this picture. I at least had my mind going through a Sunday school lesson that the children of Israel just ran out of Egypt and they escaped. But here you get this picture of them actually carrying a load of bounty from their Egyptian slave drivers. God blessed them. He was generous to them as they left. But he led them to the middle of nowhere in the wilderness And he said in chapter 25, basically chapters 25 all the way to chapter 40, is God explaining how he wants this dwelling place for him to be in the wilderness. It's called the tabernacle. And it literally means the dwelling of God with people. He explains it, and then in five chapters, they build it. He explains that. And so he says, speak to the people of Israel, God said to Moses. That they take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive a contribution. Here it wasn't something done out of, you know, compulsion. It wasn't do this or else. It wasn't ob- obligatory. It was something that God said, whoever's heart wells up and wants to be generous, give. It says in verse 9 of Exodus 25, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst dwelling in their midst. This would be a place where God would show them he's with them, he's going to take care of them, he's going to reunite them to him, they would be his people, he would be their God. And so in chapter 35, where they're actually just at the last part of of God's plans for this sanctuary and this, this tabernacle, he says, take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, Let him bring out the Lord's contribution. Again, a generous heart. It was done willingly. It was done generously. And then verse 10 of chapter 35. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. It's an interesting thing that God didn't just ask for the things they had. He asked for them. They asked for them who had skills and abilities to actually be the ones who built this tabernacle. And so we find that they start to build it. Chapter 36, verse 2, this is going to be where we're hanging out. There were two names of the work leaders. One was called Bezalel, and the other one was Aholiab. And so Moses called them. By the way, if you are pregnant and wondering what to name your children, those are two options (laughs) right there. Can you imagine your kindergarten teacher, Bezalel? Yeah. Oh, Yes. Every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for the doing of the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of tasks on a task on the sanctuary came each from the task that he was doing. And they said to Moses, so all the foremen show up at Moses's tent and say, Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Do you see a phrase in this? I see a phrase in this. It's more than enough. This is a rare point in the people of God, let alone the church. Can you imagine this? We're taking an offering. Halfway through, halfway through, the, the uh, ushers look down and go, whoa, we have more than enough for this week's budget. So everyone in the back doesn't have to give. Everyone in the back is going, yes, yes, we don't have to give. Everyone else took care of it, right? Or maybe not. Is that why everyone sits in the back? I don't know. We're looking for this moment. But there aren't too many places we can go where people go, stop giving, we've got enough. We've reached our goal, done. Thank you, thank you so much. But here something happened. In a rare moment of generosity, the people gave more than enough. And he said, stop, we've got it covered. What was happening there? This is a rare moment indeed. If you hung around the church for a while, you don't hear many churches going, stop, we've raised enough. We've got it covered. But here, the people gave Generously to the lord I think something happened here I think what they realized and and what what we realize is in a very desolate place. I mean i've traveled near this place and Here's how you describe it sand and rocks You've gone to the wilderness of Zinn. just sand and rocks you've traveled over saudi arabia for the most part Sand or rocks. That's what it is. So if God was going to do anything, he had to provide for them. If they were going to receive anything, he had to give it to them. And in this place, in this place, God was making them dependent on him. So in a place of dependence, God wanted them to experience that he is more than enough. I'll take care of you. It's going to be okay. I'll provide more than you need. In a place of scarcity, God reminded them they had more than enough. Everything you need, I will provide for you. You will have more than enough. And then in this place of need, God used them to provide for this tabernacle, this construction project that God said you will have more than enough. Did you ever realize that God has already given you more than enough? Do you ever, you ever realize that? I know. I know we live in a world of scarcity. I know we live in a fairly consumeristic, uh, market-driven economy that says, I don't have enough. Because with every one of our incomes, no matter if we're in poverty or we're very, very wealthy, we have the next step to take. There's always the next upgrade. There's always the next car to buy, the next house to live in. There's the next gadget to own. And it leaves us always looking around us and wondering, do I have enough? Will I have enough? Do I have what it takes? These are questions that Americans face all the time. And so we feel very alone when we don't feel we have enough to meet the demands of the world around us. But what I want to let you know, church, is that God has already given you more than enough. He has more than enough for the work that he wants us to do. Think about just a few things. One of them, very priceless, the gospel Has Jesus done more than enough than your need? Yes, he has. If he hasn't done enough, then there will come a point in your sin capacity where his work won't cover you and you will have to try to work it back. But God doesn't want us to wonder, you know, am I good enough? That's why he sent Christ who was perfect and he lived a life we couldn't live. He died on a cross to pay a price we we couldn't pay. Even by our deaths, we couldn't satisfy the wrath of God. But Jesus did that when he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead on the third day to defeat the power of sin and death for us. Jesus is more than enough. There's never a moment if I live by faith that I am outside of God's grace and we can rest in that. Jesus is enough. But then let's look at the righteousness of God in our lives. Let's look at the character of God in our lives, the wisdom of God in his word and through the spirit in our lives. We have more than enough that can meet us for every each one of our days and every one of our challenges that we face. We just have to look to the Lord. We just need to allow him to lead us. But I even want to say this. I think we have more than enough financial blessings to complete the work that God has for us. It's not a, a picture of whether you are rich or poor, or well, how, much, how much your life, you know, how successful you are. It's really, how are you handling what God has given you? Because God is, I believe, and we're going to look at this, that God has already given us more than enough. We'll talk about this later, but all we need to do is just be available with it think about this. God has given you all that you need with Jesus. And so when we talked about being available with the gospel, when you make your life more and more available, not only to receive the gospel, but to give the gospel, what does God deepen in you? The gospel. When you look at humility and you realize that Jesus did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he basically emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant. He took on flesh and lived this life of obedience to the father, even obedience to the point of death. Death on a cross. And so everything that we realize, we realize that the way to to reflect Jesus is not the corporate ladder, just climbing the next rung and being better than the people around you. The way of Jesus is the way of stepping down from our platform and entering in with a spirit of humility and welcoming people into our lives. We've talked about forgiveness. And as we've grown in forgiveness, you just realize how much more you're forgiven when you're willing to forgive someone else Remember, forgiveness is releasing someone from a debt they owe by paying the debt yourself. Man, we just, everything that we realize in this whole available series has been that God has been more than enough. And it's really not about me. It's about God becoming greater in me and through me in our lives. So what I want to look at are five key traits of what happens when we practice generosity. And I want to go back to this passage in Exodus chapter 36, because here's what God does. He doesn't just pour money out of the sky to meet the needs of ministry or meet the needs of his work. He uses us, and there's value in that because our God doesn't do things alone. He wants to do things with us, and that's why when you look at the church, God's plan A for the world is the church, and there is no plan B, (laughs) and so therefore, if we don't reflect him, if we don't reflect him, then we're really not showing the whole picture of who God is, and by the way, I really like that Green Bay Packers sweater you have there. God bless you. (laughs) Thanks for wearing that. Okay. Squirrel. Sorry about that. What are we talking about again? We're talking about generosity. Okay. So God wants to include us on an experience. Hi, I'm Joe. I struggle sometimes with ADD. Okay. What does God want to experience with us? Well, take a look at what they experienced. One of the things they experienced was this whole concept of redemption. Redemption is taking something that was used for one thing, a lesser use, and setting it aside for something of better use. Redemption is literally purchasing out of slavery, which God did for the children of Israel. And so they were living testimonies. They were living eyewitnesses of God redeeming them out of Egypt and into the land that he had promised. Even their forefathers like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. This is a God who redeemed them out of Egypt. The greatest redemptive act in the Old Testament is their rescue out of Egypt. It would point us to a greater redemption, the one that Jesus would come And he would purchase us out of sin and into righteousness. It was kind of a a precursor to the gospel being preached. That just as the Israelites thanked the Lord throughout their history, and still do with the celebration of Passover, they thank God for his redemption out of Egypt. We, as followers of Christ, we we celebrate uh, the redemption we have, that Christ purchased us out of sin. But you know, every time you give, you do what they do. You take something that's of worth and has a price to it, and you translate it into something, or you redeem it into something that's priceless. Jesus in the lives of people. That's why the church exists. Fellowship Bible Church here is here to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. So every time we give, we give to that mission. We take money that can be earned or lost, depending on our investments, and and we give it to the Lord. We we redeem it. This could be used for me. I could buy the next Apple Watch. I could do all these things, but instead, you're the first. You're the best thing about me, God, and so I'm going to give that to you. And when we do that, redemption happens. We move it from the physical to the spiritual realm. That's redemption, and they saw that. The second thing they got to see was salvation. And here's what I don't mean by that. I don't mean that you can earn your salvation by giving. That's not what they received. But one of the things about the tabernacle was it was God restoring him to man. It was God accepting a sacrifice that they would give and he would, he would forgive their sins. He would cover them. God has been covering us for a long time. If you're reading your Bible all the way back in Genesis, you'll see in the early chapters that although God created everything in perfection and everything in relationship that was at peace with man and with all of creation, man stepped away. We turned, male and female, turned away and we walked away. But God took compassion on us, as he still does, and he covers us. He covered them with animal skins, and he covers us with the blood of Jesus. He covered the Israelites with the blood of their sacrifices that they did. And they became, in this place, they would see God's salvation. This would be a place where God would reconcile himself Back with man, and they would experience that at this dwelling place. They would see the holiness of who God was. They would see their sin and their need of a sacrifice, and God would graciously restore them in this place. Do you know, I've been a part of a few few building projects at Fellowship Bible Church that has really shown us this, this whole picture of God being a God of salvation. Like when we built that first building that one that looks so small right now when I walked into it I thought it was so big and I thought how in the world will God fill this but one of the things that we did was we said God we have two friends in each of our lives we did the you and two mission and and we basically said there's two people in our lives who are far from God who we want to love and we want to share Jesus with and we built that building for us and two of our friends and we made room for more people and we wrote, when that, when that cement was, was wet, we went down there, we wrote the first names of the people that each of us were praying for. It was a great moment of faith, looking forward to a future salvation of their lives. And then, after it got built, I remember some of you came forward, and you looked and you bought a friend, and you said, hey, see this place here? Right under this carpet's your name. I wrote this name because I wanted to pray for you, and now that you know Jesus, I just want to let you know that. This is how God works when we built this building. We did the same thing We wrote in wet cement at the foundation of this poor of this building And that story is still happening But it required us not just to write names It required us to be generous to the lord because we wanted to continue to fund ministries here While at the same time build this building Now a church is not a building a church is people A church like this, a building, just facilitates people. But I want to let you know, if you're here, since we've moved in here, we had you in mind. We were praying for you before we even built this building. Before we even gave, we prayed that God would continue to entrust us with priceless, eternal people. We just got to know what God was doing. We got to experience what God was doing and our generosity here. I mean, sometimes it was threatening to us that we wouldn't be able to live like we want to live if we gave over and above what we give. But God has always set us free with salvation. Thirdly, they got to be a part of God's provision. So remember that picture that I just showed you out in the middle of nowhere wilderness? Remember that? So God provided everything they needed there. Everything. He provided them water. He provided them this, this thing from heaven called manna, which was they actually manna in Hebrew literally means what is it? That's what they said every morning. What is that? I don't know. Someone said eat it, and someone ate it. Not bad, not bad. But after many years, they went what in the world? They were murmurers. But at this point, God actually what he gave them, they gave. Isn't that interesting. Everything they had, how did God give it to them? On the Passover, when they were exiting out of Egypt, God gave them that gold and silver and bronze. He gave them those, those um, linens and those different fabrics that they would use and build this, this tent in the middle of nowhere. Where'd they get it? God gave it to them. Do you know every time you give, you mention that? God provided this with me. I give that. Where'd you get that? God gave it to me. Where'd you get your income? God gave it to you. Where'd you get your intelligence? God gave it to you. Where'd you get your ability to land that job? God gave it to me. Where'd you get the capacity to make that kind of income or to know that type of wisdom or to teach those students? God gave it to me. Everything we have is from the hands of God. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Giving recognizes that I'm part of the provision of God. I love, I've learned to love to give. Because here's what I've learned about parenting, and I guess I've learned this about me, that I never had to teach my kids selfishness. I never had to. I didn't go kids. Um, The goal today is to be as selfish as you possibly can. So just look out for number one and demand that everything they have should be yours and just be a jerk. Go out have a good day. I'm leaving. You know, I didn't do that. But all on their own, they said, mine! All on their own. I want that! All on their own. They spent everything I gave them. And sometimes with a credit card, more. (laughs) So, we can we can get into this none of us have to learn or know how to spend more than we make or to be selfish or to be threatened when we're called into generosity none of us it's just it's just who we are we're i'm joe i'll be the first i'm the chief of selfish people i'm just going to let you in on a secret if i didn't have my wife i'd spend it all <laughs> i would i would If I didn't have Jesus, I'd be up to my ears in debt, and I'd be miserable financially, seriously. This is how I'm wired. Now, God has worked over the course of my walk with him to change, transform my heart. And now I love to provide. I love to provide for this church. This is where we give a majority of our giving, but we don't just give to our church. We give to ministries like Young Life or Trash Mountain Project that are here in town and reaching people all around the world. I love to give to different people who are taking the gospel outside of the United States, and we support, my wife and I support many missionaries in that role on a monthly basis. We love to provide. Where does that come from? I get to be involved in God's provision. Where does our ministry budget come from? You? Where's our capacity to give 20% out of every dollar given here at Fellowship outside of our church? Not connected to anything else except outside. 20 cents on every dollar. The average church in America gives 2% outside of themselves. 20%. How can we do that? You're generous. You give. You get to be involved in how God provides. You get to see his hand of provision in your life. And it leads to freedom, that's what they did. None of them were thought it as compulsive. They, they, they saw it as an opportunity. And my goodness, what happens when we move with giving and generosity from obligation to opportunity? Think about all the bills you pay in a month. And I'm sorry if you work at Westar, but I just don't get excited about that bill, especially in the summer. I look at it and go, oh, turn off all the lights. Just turn them off. And it's going to get to 85 in here every night. Buckle up, everyone. We're saving bucks. Or if you work for Kansas Gas Service, I mean, now it's going to get crazy, folks. It's December, January, February, March. Hello, welcome to winter. I don't look at that bill and go, man, this is such a joy (laughs) to write out this or to put this in there. I don't do that. Those are obligations. I've got to do it. Or the heat or the gas is shut off. But we get to give. I love to give through what God's doing here at Fellowship Bible Church. I love to give to someone in need. I love to do that because it's freedom. It's something I can do. And God doesn't matter. It's, It's not. Your value to God is not how much you make. It's not, really. Your value to the church should not be how much you make. That's why I will never know what individuals give here at fellowship. And I do it for two reasons. I don't ever want to kiss up to someone who gives a lot. And I never want to kiss off to someone who gives nothing. And pastors are tempted on both ranges. I just don't want to take myself out of this. So so I can preach like this, knowing that it's God going to work in your heart. And that God will have freedom in your life so that you would give generously to him. Without knowing, that's freed me up. I can boldly call everyone in here to generosity without a respecter of person because I know this is not what we want from you. This is what we want, generosity for you. Every parent wants their child to be generous. Your heavenly father is absolutely committed to us being generous because we reflect who he is. You want that freedom. By the way, you want to be miserable, spend it all and more, on you. Having more is, doesn't give you more freedom. It actually, over time, will develop you into slavery. Because debt does that over time. Average American family spends 104% of their income. Friends, just over time, we're going to have to leverage that with debt. And there's going to be coming a reckoning here on earth that's, that's daunting if we're not careful. And if we don't practice and be a good steward of what God has given us. Freedom. The final thing is Joy. Joy. Now, these are the very Israelites who we read in the book of Numbers, the book that comes after Exodus, are nothing but grumblers. You want to hear what a grumbler, murmurer is? Read Numbers. I want to stop at, the, at chapter 3 of Numbers because, and the children of Israel murmured. They came up to Moses and said, why did you bring us out in the middle of nowhere? It would have been better if we would have gone back to Egypt and been slaves than to be out here in the wilderness. And you go, oh, man, what in the world? But in this rare case, they were generous. And, you know, an interesting thing in the last two chapters of the book of Exodus, you see something phenomenal. You hear that as God called them to do and to build this a certain way, and he was very specific. They did all that the Lord commanded them to. They did everything the Lord told them to do. 20 times that phrase is mentioned at the end of the book of Exodus. Here in a rare moment of obedience, generosity just comes out. And I would just say this. I say, for those of you who are not practicing generosity, I mean, giving a significant amount of what God has entrusted to you to him. There, the, the hardest decision to make is to begin to give. It is, because there's so many fears. And it's just like everything else God calls us into obedience with. We fear it. We wonder what our life's going to be on this side of obedience. We're ticked. We're angry. We're, we have a grudge against God and anyone of his messengers who calls them. So I get a lot of hate mail on these types of talks, because I'm messing with what you feel is valuable to you. And anytime we talk about, oh, it's sensitive, but I'm on the other side of it. And and for me, I'm just, it's not that big of a deal. This is something we're missing out if we aren't generous. We really are. And I used to live like that. And I knew that I didn't have joy. I didn't have joy with Jesus. When I spent it all on me, I looked for the next gadget. I just wanted more. Because then Jesus wasn't enough. And the life he called me to live wasn't enough. And the income that he gave me, which was generous, wasn't enough. God wants us to be joyful. So here's what I encourage you to do if you're on this side of generosity, if in other words, you're not practicing that. Interview someone who is. Interview the most generous person in your life that you know of. And ask him a question like this. Just say, so you don't make it personal. I have a friend who is really scared to give. And I'm afraid that I'll lose something if I give. I'm afraid I won't be able to have fun if I give. I'm afraid. Just share all your fears there and go, is that true with you? Do you find that true on this side of generosity? And what you will find is you will hear joy over and over and over. You'll hear privilege. You'll hear words like thankfulness that I can be a part of God's work. I oftentimes I'll look for someone who I know in my life has been generous to me. And I'll just ask you, ask him, how does it feel did for you to do that? Just give me some more because it builds up my heart to be more generous with what God has given me. So this is where we'll end today. I want to just talk about how do we begin? How to begin? And I just want to talk, first of all, to a group here who gives every every month or every week. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Fellowship Bible Church is able to meet our ministry needs to give 20% of every dollar outside of our church. Last year, you helped us plant High Crest Church in the High Crest neighborhood, and you provided more than enough for that church plant. That church has now 250 people worshiping every every Sunday morning at 11 a.m., and many of them are from the neighborhood. So thank you, thank you. But for all those who aren't giving, I just want to encourage you, one of the hardest decisions to make when you think about this is to decide to give. It's that hard decision. Will we give? And if you're married, it's even more difficult because most of the time, couples aren't together on being generous. One uh, wife will say, this is my stuff. He'll say, this is his stuff. And, and I'll do whatever I want to with my stuff. And they aren't together on this. That's why I'd encourage you if you're married Come together on generosity. This is a wonderful blessing in a relationship to be on the same page. There's so many things that divide marriage, but make a decision. We want to be together on this. Here's what I found. I I like to spend, my wife likes to save. Both will prevent us from being generous. We had to come to terms that no, our, our marriage is going to be more than just us and our family. It's going to be about Jesus. And so we want to give generously. And it was a great decision when we did that. Be on the same page. Decide to give. Secondly, decide an amount. Some of you are going, I'm not going to give until I can give the full 10%. And I would just say, wade into the waters of generosity. God builds a greater passion with smaller passions. So begin somewhere. And I would go give God your first and your best and something significant, not something that means nothing to you. David, when he gave an offering personally for the temple in Jerusalem, he said, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And so he decided on an amount. I would encourage you to choose an amount that would be a regular expression of God's generosity to you. And then third, set it up. Set it up to give regularly and faithfully. I remember I was talking to a 20-something recently, and he said, Joe, man... Every time you talk about giving, I'm I'm really, I'm really moved to give. And here's what I recognize in my life. I may want to give when you're talking, but the second I leave, uh, it, it slips my mind. But here's what I've known about anything I've wanted to do. And I'm in college, I'm not making a salary yet. I find the money to do whatever I want to do. Cold plays playing in Kansas City, I'm there. How did you get $95 for the ticket? I found it. How did it appear? I don't know. I just found it. I worked extra hours. I found it. We can do that. We find the money we want want to do the things we want. We do that. So if Joe, he said, Joe, if I wanted to give, I would find a way to give. You don't have to draw out and connect all the dots for me. You know what? That's so true. We find the money to do anything we want. We find the money to do anything we want. So that's why it's important to set it up, to do it in a faithful way. 60% of all the resources given here at Fellowship go online or a recurring gift. You can do that through our app, or you can do that online, and just set up an amount that's significant to you based on what God has entrusted you, and set that up to do that. As a pastor, I'll just be open with you. I've gone through four services here, preaching all four of them, and I get home and I have the check I was going to put in the offering in my pocket. (laughs) It's a good thing I worked here. I could put it in Monday, right? But how many of us have the right intentions, but we don't have the right execution of it? So giving online is a really good way to be faithful. And we're not here all 52 weeks out of the year. The church is. We're not here all 365 days of ministry that this church is involved in, do, in providing. And you can be faithful in doing that. And then finally, celebrate, celebrate. Celebrate every time you have the opportunity to give and just say, God, thank you that I can give. Thank you for blessing me with resources to do this. Because as I thank the Lord and I'm specific with it, it is a joy. Joy comes when we celebrate what God is doing. So do you remember when I told you that God has given us everything, actually more than enough for what he wants us to do? Here's what could happen if all of us gave generously at Fellowship Bible Church. In one year, I'm just telling you, in one year, we would fully fund our budget, completely pay off this building, and give $2 million a year away. In one year. The second year, we'd give $8 million away away as a church family. That's huge. He's already given None of us need, none of us need a raise. None of us need to make the $1.6 billion lotto. We don't need to win that one. It's just being a good steward of what God has already entrusted us. And how did I find that, by the way? How do I know that? Well, I know how many families we have who come here each month. And I know the average household income in Topeka and I just multiplied that out on how many people come and worship here. And it's not, it's not difficult. It's not rocket science. This is just being faithful with what God has already entrusted us. So we're not going to take another offering, okay? We're not. Even though I just talked about generosity, everyone exhale. And we're not going to take another offering on purpose because I want this to be God's spirit working in each person here. As God moves in you, be generous. And, and it's not something, I mean, you'll find a way if you want to give to Fellowship Bible. You'll find a way if you want to give to the Lord. You'll find a way if God is working in your heart. Obey him. Be led by him. And celebrate this experience of generosity with him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thanks for each person in this room. Thank you for everything that you have entrusted us with. I know it's easy for us to look at what we have and think it's not that much or it's not as much as that person. But Lord, help us to just remind us that we have more than enough with Jesus. We have more than enough of his character in our lives. All we have to do is be available for it. And we have, as a church family, more than enough resources to do the work you want us to do. So help us, Lord, to be responsible with what you've entrusted us. Help us to be generous May we be the most generous people on earth because we reflect a generous God of the universe. It's in his name we pray, amen.